right, um, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1 and verse 39. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. Corey Ten Boom uh, was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, and she shared with, with uh, those who read her book that in times of, of great darkness, worship renews the soul. And uh, she said that she and others, a few others there in the living area where they were staying there in the concentration camp, would worship God. And the, the Nazis wouldn't come in because there were lights and they wanted to stay away from that. And so uh, they were able to gather together and to worship God in the midst of that dark time. And she said, our hearts sense the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, our hearts were refreshed, and God renewed our joy. Uh, you know, I'm convinced that no matter what we face in life, as we draw near to God, He draws near to us and refreshes our hearts with worship and, uh, and with His presence. And uh, we need the Holy Spirit within us to help us to worship. Uh, he can empower and sustain our worship, enable us to worship. Uh, and then we need to make the choice to worship so that we can experience God's joy. Uh, this particular scripture comes just after Mary has received her message from Gabriel that you are going to bear a child. And she says, well, that's interesting. She says, how will this be? Because I don't know a man. I, I've not been with anybody. How's this going to happen? And the angel tells her, well, you know, the, the, the glory of the Lord is going to overshadow you, and it's going to be a miracle of God, and you're going to conceive just as your relative Elizabeth has conceived in her old, a, her old age as a miracle of God. You're going to conceive as a miracle of God. And so uh, Mary makes her way to visit Elizabeth. Now this is, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, it assures that the virgin birth is a virgin birth because she's not with Joseph during this time. And, uh, and, but, but also it gives her an opportunity uh, to interact with her sister Elizabeth and both of them are going to have a memorable time. As Mary comes and greets her cousin Elizabeth, she begins uh, to get excited. Elizabeth, that is. She is carrying John the Baptist within her womb. And as the prophecy has said, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. And so she, she hears Mary speak, and John starts having a, a fit of worship. In her stomach, and he's doing all kinds of gymnastics, and the Holy Spirit comes on her, and she knows exactly the reason why. And she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she's getting excited. Her voice is getting louder, and she's about to have a party. I mean, she's so excited. And she says, look, blessed are you who has believed that what God has said is going to come about. And, uh, and then Mary gets excited. And so she starts to worship God. And she magnifies the Lord. And she starts rehearsing the great things that God has done. And, and just has a worship service in anticipation 
of what God is going to do through this one called Jesus. And we know that the half hadn't even been told. Uh, the difference that Jesus Christ has made in the lives of so many people. Uh, it, it has transcended uh, countries. Uh, it has transcended time. Uh, it has outlasted tyrants. Uh, I, I want you to know, the work that God has done through Jesus Christ is the most significant work He's ever done. So He is here. And they are excited. Aren't you glad that Jesus can meet with us here? Uh, he is not a, a dead Savior from some past eon. He is a risen Savior who is alive, who is with us, who is still at work, and still doing the mighty work of changing lives. And so... Um, Mary just had the audacity to believe that God would work this miracle just as he had said. And indeed, he did do this. And she was going to see many, many blessings as a result. We need to worship God and allow the Holy Spirit to infuse our hearts with faith so that we can worship him according to what he has said he's going to do. Worship him in advance. Did you know we can worship God before he does something? I like to worship God for what he has done. And Mary does some of that here. But I also like to worship God for what he's going to do. Because I think that's the best part of it. Uh, what is yet to come. We've not seen anything yet. Eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Isn't that exciting to think about? Praise his name. And so... Um, but the title of my message is Worship Inspired by Faith. Worship Inspired by Faith. Elizabeth says, Mary, you, blessed are you who have believed what God has said. And the results of that lead to worship in Elizabeth and Mary's life. Uh, worship Inspired by Faith. Let's look at verse 39 and read the scripture. It says, In those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the Mighty One has done great things for me and His name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants or to his seed forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months, and she returned to her home. Worship inspired by faith. When we begin to believe God in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, how do we worship? Well, first of all, we move. We move. Uh, I realize we're Baptists, okay? But moving is okay. It really is. Uh, John the Baptist, he, he's had nobody train him in how to worship, but he's getting with it. He's in his mother's womb, and he hears somehow supernaturally through the power of the Lord the sound of Mary's voice, and he begins to just jump in excitement. Yeah! He's here! And, and I mean, he is pumped. And, and then, uh, uh, isn't it some, sometimes a little child leads them, right? Uh, and, and he's worshiping God, and he's so excited. And, of course, then Elizabeth falls, follows suit, and Mary follows suit, and they're all worshiping God. This is part of worship, is to move. Now, listen, you don't have to move like somebody else, okay? So let that just calm down. If you think I'm going to try to get you to turn a somersault or something. I had somebody this week tell me, you know, I, I tried to do a somersault, and, I, you know, I used to do those all the time, and I tried to do a somersault, and but I, it about became a train wreck. And, you know, so, you, you know, don't worry about that, but, but do recognize that moving is a part of worship and allow the genuine uh, worship of your heart to be expressed in what you do. Uh, what I've found is sometimes in my own personal worship, um, I would be overcome by a sense of God's holiness. Sometimes I'd be on my face. Other times I would sing with joy. But, and then as I began to grow in my Christian walk, I, I, I understood that in the Psalms and elsewhere, uh, there are different movements of worship. Sometimes people will kneel in worship. Sometimes people fall to their face uh, before God in His holiness. Uh, sometimes people jump and clap their hands. Uh, one psalm says, Shout unto God, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Uh, and, you know, so um, all of these types of things are, are appropriate. You remember David in the Old Testament? He was dancing. You say, oh, I thought, well, Baptists didn't dance. Provocative dancing has no place in the worship of God. But that's not really what they did. They jumped with joy and clapped their hands. That's perfectly fine. If you want to get all excited, they used to have a song in the 70s, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. That's a good song. We ought to be excited about Jesus Christ. What has he done for us? He has changed us. He has saved us. He's reconciled us. He's justified us. He's given us a home in heaven, and he's going to come get us someday. We ought to be excited about him. And so John is moving. So if you, if you just feel moved and you're excited in the Lord, and you want to stand up and say hallelujah, more power to you. If you want to lift a hand or if, if you want to jump with joy, praise God. There's movement. Did you know dead things don't move? They don't. I, I remember when I was a little boy, I, had this, uh, I found this dead bird. 
I was about, I think I was about five years old. And I had so much fun with this dead bird. And it, it, rigor mortis had begun to set in, and, and you, could, you could move the, the wings, and they would stay in place. Uh, and uh, I had all kinds of fun with that dead bird, uh, but it never moved on its own. Why? Because it's dead. <laughs> you know, true worship doesn't happen because somebody else tries to get you to do something. True worship happens when God moves you, and in the joy of your heart, and in the fullness of the life of God within you, you respond to Him. That's what worship is all about. So, um, when, when our hearts are inspired by faith and we worship, how do we worship? Well, first of all, we move. Second, we shout. I already mentioned the scripture in Psalms that talks about that. But look at verse 42. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry. Now, in, in Greek, there are actually three words here used to show that she spoke loudly. One word is kind of loosely translated as she spoke up. Okay? She, the other one was she had a cry. And the other word is a great cry. And so the idea is she's speaking loudly. She's getting excited. You know what I've noticed in my own life? When the Spirit of God comes upon me in a special way, sometimes my voice begins to increase in volume as I get excited about Him. Um, I've seen that in the lives of others too. Um, sometimes in a prayer meeting, somebody's voice begins to get louder as they're worshiping God and just glorying in Him. Or sometimes people shout, and that's okay. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But the idea is that she is allowing the worship of her heart to be expressed in her voice. And she's honoring God with worship. And she's excited. I remember one time I went to a, a youth, re, it wasn't a revival, it was a crusade. But um, I was working with the counselors and so forth in the crusade. And um, the young people, during the time of worship, uh, were apparently looking around to see what other people were doing. Right? And the evangelist said, quit looking at your neighbor. If God moves you to worship, you worship. You don't worry about what they're doing. I thought that was a good word. It actually kind of convicted me. At the time, I had a, a man in my church that said, my hands aren't holy enough to raise in worship. And he, he was saying that because he knew I raised my hands in worship. He was, I guess, implying that I wasn't holy enough to raise my hands in worship, which is probably true, but praise God, I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Anyway, don't worry about what your neighbor is doing. You worship God and rejoice in Him. So, um, so we move when we're worshiping, as our hearts are inspired by faith. We move, we shout, we exalt, or magnify is the, the old uh, traditional way of saying it. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul praises the Lord, magnifies the Lord. I'm making much of my great God. That's what exalting is. My soul 
magnifies the Lord. How awesome is he. How great is our God. And she, she's just overwhelmed. Here she is. She recognizes because the angel told her. The child that is born to you is going to fulfill the promises made to David. The child that is going to be born in you will be called the son of the most high God. She says, who am I? And she's just overwhelmed. And she says, Lord, how great, how good you are that you would use somebody like me. Isn't that a great Have you ever felt that way before? God, who am I? And yet you've used me. And, and, and that's true of all of us. None of us deserve to be used. But God uses us because of his grace. Because of his goodness. And so we, we exalt the Lord when we talk about his greatness. Uh, we, we talk about his holiness or his, his love or his justice or his power. And we tell him, Lord, I praise you because you are great in power or you're great in holiness or whatever the case may be. She is exalting his name. The Lord Jesus exalted the Father. If you read the Psalms over and over again, you see David coming with his burdens. And as God begins to refresh his heart, he begins to praise and exalt the name of the Lord and make much of him. This is so important. We're called to a life of thanksgiving and praise and to exalt the Lord. So we move, we shout, we exalt. Fourthly, we rejoice, rejoice. Uh, look at what is, verse 47 says. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What is it to rejoice? It means just to make a choice to take joy in the Lord. Our choice to rejoice is a personal choice we make, but it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had a time where maybe you've come to your, your quiet time and you just don't feel very joyful? I'm not a morning person. When I get up, I, I move slowly, and I kind of walk through a fog. And uh, I don't really start to think much until uh, I've had one huge cup of coffee. And then when I enter my second cup of coffee, I get happy in the Lord. You know what I'm saying? But um, sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel joyful when I come into that time of worship. But I can... Make a choice by an act of the will, and I can ask the Holy Spirit to empower me to worship and to take joy in the Lord. And, you know, he's, he's been faithful to do that. God delights in us. I don't know if you realize that, but the Bible says that he looks at us as the apple of his eye. Isn't that an amazing thought? We're very precious to him. He delights. One, one scripture verse says he sings over us. I don't know what that looks like. It's kind of hard for me to imagine or to fathom. But he sings over us. Another one says he dances over us. He's that excited about us. Now, uh, most of the time, kids, when they get excited, you know, they may jump up and down and kind of dance for joy. Hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> you know, um, most of us adults don't do that very often, right? But God takes that kind of joy in us. 
He delights in us. And he wants us to delight in him. And so Mary's saying, I'm just taking joy. I'm rejoicing in God my Savior. What a great, awesome God he is. And um, she is just... And by the way, when you worship, when you praise God, and you, you tell God how great he is, and you thank him for what he has done, it, it helps you enter into the presence of God in a special way as his child. Now, if you don't know him, you won't have that experience. But if you know him and you, you've, you've received Christ, you put your trust in him, uh, as you worship, it will usher you into the presence of God. And then you'll be able to take joy in the Lord. So, uh, so worship inspired by faith. When we worship, we'll move, we'll shout, we'll exalt, we'll rejoice, we'll remember. Remember. In verse 48, she's just kind of rehearsing. She says, he, he's looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Mary wasn't some famous big, big wig somewhere. She was an ordinary, humble person. She didn't have a lot of resources. Nobody pretty much knew her name except probably the people in her town. But God knew her. She says, you've looked, you've looked on the humble condition of your servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Here's Mary. She's, a, she's a, an, an unremarkable person from an obscure town. And yet God visits her. And her mind is blown. And she's like, wow. From now on. People are going to call me blessed. Who am I? Lord, how great you are. You've looked upon my humble condition. You've seen me. And you've used me for your purpose. Oh, my mind is blown. And uh, she is just overwhelmed. She's remembering what God has done. When Gabriel came to tell her about this. And of course she knows about the miracle because she's pregnant. And uh, it, God has answered that, that uh, prediction already. But then look at what she says in verse 49. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. Verse 50. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of his heart. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones. She's just getting happy. She's excited. Lord, look at all these great things you've done. He satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, and he's remembered his mercy. Aren't you glad God remembers his mercy? So she's just remembering the great things that God has done. One of the greatest things you can do in worshiping is just to remember the great things God has done. As you thank God and you worship Him and you praise Him for the great things He's done, uh, you will uh, take joy in Him and draw near to Him. Uh, and it will refresh your faith. It will strengthen your faith. I can't tell you how many times I've been out of sorts and uh, struggling with faith and I've I've gone to the Lord and I begin to pour out my complaint. But I've also done what Philippians 4 tells us to do. Mix it with thanksgiving. As you thank God for what he's done, you're remembering those things. And it's amazing how my perspective will shift. God has been faithful. 
He's still the same God he was back then. He's still with me today, just like he was with me yesterday. He's still God. And then I want you to see she's celebrating. Not only is she, not only do we, as we're inspired by faith, worship by moving, shouting, and so forth. Exalt, rejoice, remember, but also celebrate. In verse 49, she says, and his name is holy. So she's celebrating who God is. Holiness is the, the name that means that God is set apart. She said, who'd have thought of this? God is set apart in his plan. He is set apart in how faithful he is to keep his promises. He is set apart in that he would take a humble person and use them for his purposes. He is set apart in that he would bring salvation through his own precious son. She's just celebrating the greatness of God. You know, we have so much to celebrate. And if, if all that God did was take care of the problem of our sin here and enable us to have fellowship with him, uh, that would be a huge blessing in and of itself. But God has prepared an eternity for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And so um, we have uh, a great hope to look forward to. All this God has done, even though we don't deserve it. Celebrate who he is. There's a lot of people uh, who, who dislike. Um, it could be a caricature of our God. But some, some uh, hate the Lord. They do. And they speak down about him. I, I was reading uh, some things this past week about, uh, about some, some folks who, who hate God. And... Um, I like to kind of see what people are saying out, out, outside the four walls of the church from time to time. And, but you know what I, I'm reminded of? First of all, all of that's a, the, a lie. The things they accuse God of. God is good. But, but I'm just reminded of all the wonderful things that God has done for me. And I'm so grateful. Uh, I have to celebrate because my God is like no one else. Listen, I've known some wonderful godly people over the years who, who uh, surpassed me by far in, in their service for the Lord and their love for the Lord. Uh, but I've never met anybody like Jesus. He, he is a cut above. He is set apart. You see, I celebrate the greatness of who he is. That's part of what we do in worship. And finally, when we are, our worship is inspired by our faith, not only do we move, shout, exalt, rejoice, remember, and celebrate, but we hope. I love this. In verse 55, look at verse 54 first. It says, he, he helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Um, so, Literally, the scripture says, into his seed. Now, it is true that through Jesus, God is bringing the blessings he promised to Israel and to Abraham. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He made that promise to Abraham. And it is true that, uh, that uh, Abraham's seed will be blessed. 
but it's, it's also can be looked at uh, in translation as concerning the seed that was promised. This is the one who's going to bring the blessing. You see, this is a, a, a perspective I'm sure Mary had to be thinking about because Gabriel had just told her, your son's going to be the son of the Most High God. Your son is going to fulfill the promises made to David. He's the Messiah. He's the one you've been looking for. The seed of the woman, when, when God said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, she, he made that promise to Eve. Despite the failure and everything, he said there's a seed coming. There's an individual coming who's going to change this all. Fast forward to Abraham. God says, Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. He doesn't really tell him how. This is going to happen. God tells David, one of your descendants, your seed, will sit on the throne of Israel forever. Gabriel says that to Mary. He says, your, your son, your seed, will reign on David's throne forever. He's the one. Listen. I want to tell you something. Something so exciting has happened. Jesus has come. What all of the Old Testament anticipated and what all of the New Testament looks forward to in Jesus' second coming, Jesus made possible. I want to tell you something. I would have no hope of heaven without Christ. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But praise God, because God sent his only son, I have hope. I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The veil has been ripped so I can enter God's presence. I have a hope of a place that's prepared for me by Christ where there'll be no sin, there'll be no heartache, there'll be no crying, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no death. All of that has assured for one reason and one reason only, Jesus has come. I, I feel like praising the Lord this morning. I will tell you, I, I'm about to have a jumping spell like John the Baptist. How great a blessing. God has given to us Woo! <laughs> in sending Jesus Christ. How blessed we are. Don't forget in the midst of everything going on in the Christmas season, the amazing, marvelous thing that our God has done for us in sending Jesus. A gift like no other. If you don't know him this morning, can I invite you to enter into a relationship with him today? To know personally this wonderful Savior, this wonderful God that we've been talking about. The Bible says that Jesus Christ lived the righteous life we couldn't live. He was sinless. He tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. And he went to a cross to bear the sin and penalty, the, the justice of God, the wrath of God upon himself, and said, it is finished, it is paid in full, and he rose again. And the Bible says because of what Jesus has done, uh, we can have eternal life. It's a gift. It's not eternal life till you mess up or till you blow it. 
or life till you do that. It's eternal life. This is eternal life, John 17, 3 says. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And when you enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, it lasts forever. What does God ask of you? He asks a couple of things. It's basically summed up in faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But it's expressed in a couple of ways. First of all, make a choice to turn from your sin to follow him. It's a choice. It's a surrender of your life to follow him. Um, Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The second thing is receive the gift of salvation. Now, some of you have gone out and bought gifts. Those gifts don't do those people any good unless they receive them, right? Receive Jesus Christ. Receive the gift of eternal life right now. And you can do that and just say in simple terms to Jesus from your heart, Lord, I surrender to you. I choose to follow Jesus and I receive the gift of eternal life. And if you'll say that in your heart to God right now, he'll save your soul. He will. That's the promise of God. And if you're here today and you already know Jesus Christ, can I encourage you, praise his name, worship him, exalt him. He has done so much for us. And don't forget to say thank you this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we worship your great name. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the price he paid at Calvary and his perfect life. And uh, thank you that he has risen from the dead and that he's coming again. Lord, help us live our lives empowered by your Holy Spirit so that we can take joy in you and worship you and honor you for all that you've done for us.